everybody. My name is Rachel Brinke. This is Real Biz Talk, and I have Heather from Flourish Academy, and we are going to try to figure out how to figure out this whole damn balancing business and life thing. But before we get into some of like the hot tips that we have, let's chit chat with you, Heather, your entrepreneurship journey. How'd you get into this? Okay, thank you for asking. So my degree is actually mechanical engineering. I have that degree and a degree in business, and I worked in corporate for years until my daughter was born. She's now 18. So about 17 and a half years ago, I left my corporate job to start my photography business with no clue what I was doing. Um, and it wasn't even that I was a good photographer. I sucked. I didn't know what I was doing. My gear was not any good. My first wedding, I photographed with a Canon PowerShot G3, a point and shoot. But here's what I thought, Rachel. I thought, I don't want to work for the man anymore. And I love doing things for myself. And surely if I could pass thermodynamics at Penn State, I can figure out how to use a camera and, and learn the business thing. So I dove in pretty quickly. That first year I photographed three weddings, one of which was free, the other two super cheap, you know, not knowing what a point and shoot camera. And the next year I photographed 30. So I went from three to 30. And I promise you, it was not because I had any talent. I did not. And so I learned very quickly that business was more important than the photo. And it wasn't even about the photos, mm -hmm. that it was about relationships and people. And that if you could figure that out, then you could fit, you know, you can always improve your skills with photography always. Right. But mm -hmm. the business thing was critical. I also watched entrepreneurs who were really good at business and marketing do really well in spite of their skill set, whether they were good or not. And then I watched mm -hmm. some exceptional artists struggle because mm -hmm. they were creative. They were right brain, brain thinkers, and they just couldn't wrap their minds around business and they, and they didn't make it. They had to go find another job. So mm -hmm. I thought, okay, I might not be the most creative person in the world because I'm a scientist, I'm an engineer, but I think that the business and working with people is more important than that, or it can make a successful business in spite of my lack of talent. Now, at this point, 17 years in, I would say I'm a capable photographer. Okay? <laughs> I'm not, You're more I'm than not capable. The, yeah, I'm not the best, but I can I can do in a pinch. But my love has always, my first love in this journey was always business. What about you? How did you get into it? Very similar. I mean, I, my path is a little like curly cued up and down all of that. You know, I grew up not an entrepreneurial family, military family. And the idea was you go to college, you get a nine to five, you sit in a cubicle farm, you climb your way up the ladder. And I struggled with that for a long time because I always knew, even in school, I didn't really fit in like the confines of a regular school. I mean, I was that child that was telling my teachers how they could improve their filing system for more efficiency and organization. Yeah, my teachers loved me. Right. <laughs> Kidding. But yeah, no. So, you know, that was one of the things. And then when I was 20, I had cancer. We only had one kid at the time. He's going to be 16 soon. We have five now. But I remember when I got the phone call, I didn't get the whole like movie, TV, doctor hold your hand, tells you have cancer. It was very army methodical. You've got cancer. You're only 20. And I was like, well, dang, what the hell am I going to do? And I just thought to myself, looking at my baby, who's now like six feet tall, he's taller than me. And I was like, you know what, if I get through this, 
much like what you said, I don't want to work for the man. I don't want to pad the pockets and goals of other people. Now, I would love to say that this was like my revolutionary moment. I jumped into entrepreneurship and it's been success since then. I curly cues in the path. I, you know, I still, I was an undergrad. I went to grad school for business, went to law school and I worked attorney general's office, did some government contracting in there while I was still growing my businesses. I mean, we needed money too, but because I kept filling this pool of like, I have to, I have to do what's expected of me, right? You're supposed to go to college. You're supposed to be, get a corporate job. And then finally, um, once I realized the beauty of much like what you're talking about, working with people just like us getting connected through business. I just love that. I love helping others and serving a purpose in the world and just wasn't going to work in an office for me. And so I've dabbled in multiple businesses. That's, that's, that's it in a nutshell, but there's a lot in there, but yeah, no, I just, it's interesting that, you know, we see a lot of people who like you went to college, got these degrees, and then we end up doing something completely different. I mean, I still do law, but I love the teaching and the business strategy a lot more. Yeah, me too. I was going to ask you about that. How did you, how did you marry the law degree with photography? Because when I first found you, which was, I don't know, maybe a hundred years ago. I mean, it was a while ago. Thanks for probably, dating us. <laughs> I think I stumbled upon you when you very first started the law. What year was that? Do you remember Law Talk? Um, 2012-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then that's for sure. And I remember thinking, what a unique niche to be in, to have a law degree and also be into photography. Because in my mind, I thought, I thought that's brilliant because how many lawyers are also photographers? You have zero competition. <laughs> very few. There's some out there, but very few. But you know what was interesting is that I had been doing business consulting because um, I had been growing apparel stores and other online type businesses all during school and even working corporate jobs. And I was so gun ho of you know, I got to make a purpose in this world. I got to make an impact. And I thought that law was going to be it. I actually went to law school, you know, still fighting against this whole entrepreneurial pull of I'm going to go and be a sex crimes prosecutor. That's what I wanted to do. I'm a huge SVU fan. And I was like, that's the way that I'm going to make my mark in this world. Well, you know, the way that it worked out was, you know, the week that I graduated had baby number three and it just was not financially feasible to go and be a prosecutor, which was fine because that was one of my best years in business. I married it with, you know, with photography because I was doing photography um, to help support our family during law school. And yeah, and it, it's funny you say that. And I, and I love, I was supposed to bring you on to interview you about this stuff, but um, I get like the feel good feels on this because for a long time, I struggled with, I'm not fulfilling my purpose. It's that pull of like what, you know, society tells you to do. And I was like, but I'm just meant to like make an impact. And it wasn't until, oh, probably two or three years ago, I was probably sitting in this exact chair. I was on the phone with a client and she's crying to me and thanking me as she's paying me for saving her business because her business name and her trademark, she um, is a fitness influencer. And that's what she was licensing to different brands. And someone was trying, was infringing and trying to take it. And she's crying and thanking me because that was her very livelihood. Finally, then I realized 
right. I am making, I am making impact and I'm, you know, I'm fulfilling my purpose. So do you have a similar with yours? I mean, you work with a lot of creatives. I mean, obviously. I love, I, I love that story because as you were telling me, <clears throat> it reminded me that one day, so I teach online, obviously, but I also teach at our local college. And several years ago, I came home from teaching an all-day Lightroom class, which I loved. It was great, you know. I came home and I said to my husband, I was really frustrated. And I was like, I, okay, let me back up and say, I use hyperbole when I speak and I'm very dramatic, okay? So I said You dramatic, husband, not at all. <laughs> I said, arms waving, I can't believe that God put me on this planet to teach Lightroom. Like that, I am not going to change anybody's life teaching Lightroom. You know, I feel like my purpose is more, and I was mentoring at the time and I learned, liked specifically working with women and helping them. And I had got a life coach certificate around that same time. And I was like, I just feel like I'm meant to help women. I just feel like I'm, you know, they happen to be photographers on their journey, but I mean, I'm really, I'm going to teach Photoshop and change somebody's life. It's so ridiculous, you know? And He's so kind. My husband let me rant for as long as it needed to take. And he said something along the lines of like, well, did it ever occur to you that he just put you in that position where you can impact lives through photography? So like photography happens to be the vehicle. And that particular day it was Lightroom, right? But when I teach, I infuse my teaching with all of the woo and the personal growth and development because I read the books like crazy. And I am making an impact. And so similar to your experience, like you work with someone and they start to cry and you're like, that's it. I have arrived and this is what I'm meant to do. But here's the problem. I'm not feel good crying. So when people start crying, normally I'm like, this is really awkward. Can we get off the phone? But I was like, I couldn't hang up on her. And then I was like, just sit in the moment. And now, like I said, I still have like the fuzzies of it. But yeah, you know, what's interesting is as you were talking, what came up for me was that business and life are not separate. They are so completely intertwined. And it's not, I'm not saying that to say we need to work to live, right? I feel like a business should be a supporting actor to the life that we want. But there is the intertwinings of the people that you meet, the opportunities you get to have, and the impact that you get to make. I mean, you had an impact on me. For those watching, we are in a... um, continuing education, mastermind thing for business and just learning from each other's stories. And you've impacted me so greatly. And it wasn't even like we were having this one-on-one deep conversation, but it's those little nuggets that makes me go, ah, that is revolutionary. And it's just incredible how something so little can profoundly impact someone in a way you didn't even expect it to. And I think something you and I have both learned even more so recently is that just by showing up, and doing what you are skilled to do. So what you're, you know, you're skilled in law, skilled in photography. Those are your skills, but also how you care about people. Just showing up and mm-hmm. speaking has an impact that you don't even, you can't even wrap your brain around or fully understand like the ripple effect that that has on people. And you don't know that you, you've impacted me. I'm a hundred percent certain you did not know that, right? Just by something you'll say or something you'll do in the group. And I'll think to myself, this is what I thought. Um, oh no, I'm scared. I'm really scared you know, right no, now. It was like, <laughs> you normalized something for me because I have you like, and I always have since the first time I saw you, I've always had you like up on this pedestal, you know, and that, and like almost like out of reach, like 
you're Rachel Brinke, like big deal, right? And you said something in the last retreat that made me think that you, that I could actually relate to you, like that there, there's hope for me because I was like, oh, I have that too. Like, so you were, you became really relatable to me and I don't even know what it, what it was specifically. I'm sure it was just one of the conversations either we had or we were having on the call. And I was like, oh, she struggles with that. I struggle with that. Well, then we're like basically the same person. I mean, so if if she can do it, then I can do it. Like, it just gives you hope. But like, I wouldn't have known that had you not shown up and been vulnerable. Like, I love that about you, Rachel. I love it. I will say it till the day I die. Every call we're on, you type something in the chat or you say something that literally makes me laugh out loud. And I, th- and I don't even think you're trying to be funny. You know, it's just funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny to me. And I think she just like, you just put it all out there. You are completely open and, and authentic. And I think that's what makes you good at what you do, no matter what industry or what niche or what area you come from, which is why you have multiple successful businesses because it's based on you, you being Rachel, right? Don't you think? Well, you know, what's interesting. It's funny. We're not even, we haven't even gotten to the topic of what we were going to talk about today. And that's okay. I think this is wonderful in that, you know, it's, I've watched the trend. I've been doing this. So I've been an entrepreneur, you know, I shared my journey at the beginning. You guys can catch it on the replay if you're just joining Um, that, what year? It was 2005 ish that I started getting an entrepreneurship and I just have watched the progression in the onslaught of social media, right? That was probably maybe the year before Facebook came out, obviously yes. Instagram and all that came later, but I've seen this progression where we went from, you had to be, it was interesting. Like when Instagram first came out, you had to be like this polished professional voice, but yet imper- imperfect pictures were okay. Now it's almost like it's gotten to this. You know, you've got, you can be an imperfect voice, but you have to have perfect pictures. But anyways, what I was trying to get at was I've seen the pendulum swing from where you've had to be so completely polished. Now it's almost like you have to be so completely authentic that sometimes it comes across as inauthentic. And I think it's finding that balance. But to your point, going into that program, you know, you only get what you show up and what you Mm -hmm. put into it. Right. And so, I mean, in, in that program, I am on the. On the financial end, I am one of the higher earners, but I'm also smart enough to know I'm not the smartest person in the room and I can learn something. So I committed to, you know, trying to show up as authentically and leaning into the vulnerability because for so long in business, I'm such type A, strong headed, you can't tell me nothing. And when I first started out, we didn't have all this social, we didn't have Pinterest, we didn't have all this premium information. So there wasn't really anyone to look to. I mean, this was like pre-business coach days. Like you had to go to sit in a hotel, you know, (laughs) a conference room, seminar somewhere to get knowledge. And so for me, the commitment that I made there, and I'm so glad to hear that it has paid off for you because it's paid off for me, of just really leaning in and being uncomfortable with whatever comes up, but I'm still fighting it. Like now with Instagram, I'm trying to come up and, you know, this imperfect action, which is so important. But then in the back of the head, it's like, but it's got to be a perfect picture. You got to make sure the message lands right. And I'm so tired of like feeling like it has to be this bar. Let's just get rid of the bar and just be us and just attract those that we're going to be able to learn from and love on. I love that. I was going to ask you as a type A overachiever, 
was it difficult for you to embrace like did you and correct me if I'm wrong did you have this like in your mind when social media started like I want to show up professionally I am a professional I'm going to be professional I'm a perfectionist type a it is going to look like this or did you lean into the like realness so funny you ask, if you go back to my Instagram and you scroll back to like 2012, the pictures are horrid. I just posted what I wanted, when I wanted, and I didn't really worry, you know, and I teach this in my programs, like content runway and your pillars and all this kind of stuff. I didn't worry about all of that. I just spoke from my heart. And that was actually the first major year of business for me that coincided with that whole choosing to not go into being a prosecutor because I was doing so well. But I did have somebody, some guy, I don't know, I don't even know his name. I don't know why I let him change my path, make a comment when I was growing the lawn talk. And he's like, oh, you're just a mom with a camera. Oh, so I, I, yeah, well, <laughs> but I okay, took that sir. and I internalized it. Right. And I yeah. actually allowed it to completely deviate and derail what I was doing. Cause I was like, now I got to show up, just polish. I can't share about my kids first steps. Mm. I can't share about this. People don't care about that. And frankly, I look back and I regret that so much because in the time that I was so focused on one, some freaking internet stranger that I don't even know his name. I right. don't even remember what his avatar looked like said, how many people have I not impacted because I withheld myself Ouch. back? Right. Right. Yeah. And that's a painful lesson to learn because then you're thinking, at least if you're me, I'm like, oh, I was being really selfish, worried about my ego because mm -hmm. somebody, somebody hit a trigger. Yeah. And, you know, things only trigger us if it's something that bothers us about, you know, like, oh, I never want somebody to misunderstand that I'm just, uh, and by the way, side note, what is wrong with being a mom and a photographer? Like, Nothing. Who cares? I yeah. mean, I could, I always say, you know, I say this at the Flourish Academy. I think there's room for everyone in the market. I actually don't even believe in market saturation. I think that every, the world needs your photos because you bring a unique perspective. And if you are a mom or a hobbyist and you want to make money doing this, that is perfectly fine. Just make sure you're doing it legally. Please visit thelawtalk.com. Thelawtalk.com. <laughs> right. But besides, besides like the legalities, like you can structure this however you want. Isn't the point of you and I leaving our corporate jobs to pursue a lifestyle business built on our lifestyle in our season of life. And, you know, I mean, you have 22 kids. You're going to have to figure out how to, that's actually a perfect segue into the balance. And the, let me ask you this. You seem to me that you, you like to work, obviously you like your job. Do you, do you ever like work too much? Feel like you're overworking, not balancing properly? Love that you said that because that came up for me while you were talking a little bit ago when you said seasons. And I think that is what is most important. We're finally to the content here, friends. Balance is bullshit. And maybe yes. that's what I should title this. Yes. Balance is bullshit. But I do think that there is a semblance of management in a season. Like, you know, I always try to equate it when I'm doing Ironman triathlon training. When I'm at the height of training and I'm doing like six hour bike rides, et cetera, I'm obviously not going to be working my full work days. And so in those seasons of life, I just structure it and shameless plug, I have a time management masterclass. It's free, link in bio, that I talk about how I structure my weeks and I focus in on what are the activities that need to happen? How do I do my to-do list and all that sort of stuff. But it's always within the confines of that season of life. And I think that's one of the hard things when people talk about balance, you know, you'll get onto these, you'll learn their checklist and you're like, okay, I got to make that work for me. Or even 
one of the things that I teach in my accelerator program, I use a structure on real, R-E-A-L. And anytime you're going to make a decision, especially when, um, I guess anything, we want to research it first and then we evaluate. That's the E, research, evaluate, act, and then learn. The E is to evaluate to see if it fits within that season of life. Because what I end up seeing happen is that reels comes out and everyone is teaching you, you know, my five hacks to reels, got to post 20 reels a day. How many of us do the research, they hear that stat, and then they're, they don't even do the E, A, and L, right? They skip over the evaluation and they try to do eight reels a day. They're burnt out in three weeks and they've not really given enough time to see if there's a return and they give up and it's wasted effort. I mean, I say wasted. We're, I think anything you put in the world, as long as they're showing up is good. But as far as actually having a full trajectory, but it's because you didn't look to see. Maybe when my kids are gone, if my youngest is six, I could sit and do eight reels a day or whatever the gurus <laughs> tell me to do. But season of life, you really have to look and see, okay, here's the things that I can do but it has to be within the confines of the available time. Cause like we said earlier, business should be a supporting actor to our lives, not our lives. That is so great. I actually picked up your freebie yesterday to look at your schedule because I was curious how you are managing yeah. two kids and all of this training you're doing 18 businesses, you know, the group that we're in, like you have all of these things. Oh, do you want to hear a funny story about balance? So one time I was speaking at this group and I was, this is early on in my speaking days. So, all right. I was talking about balance and finding balance and blah, blah, blah. And then the next speaker gets up and is like, balance is, you know, a myth. Balance is, it's never about, and I was like, I'm sitting in the back, like, Oh, you know, no. right. But anyway, <laughs> I thought I was embarrassed for a second, but I thought she had a really good point. She said this, if you can imagine those old time scales where you measure things and it was, it was going like this, it was never still, never. It was always in motion. So mm-hmm. it's not balance. It's harmony. Can I get, and in a different season, mm-hmm. one might be weighted down way more than the other. The problem is I think we get into this, this thinking of, well, we're uniformitarians. That's what we are, which means we think it's going to be this way forever. Like how mm-hmm. it is right now, it's never going to change. We have to make the decision. Yeah. We have to make right. the decision. Right. And that's the only one you can ever make because I'm about to pour concrete on your feet and you're going to have to do that forever. And I tell people all the time, it is your own business. You can change tomorrow. If you decide mm-hmm. today you want to do IPS and tomorrow you want to sell some digitals, I don't care. As long as you're profitable, it doesn't really matter to me. You and only you can examine the season of life that you're in, which means when somebody asks me, Heather, is this the right way to price my photography business? I will never answer that question because that assumes there's a wrong way. And I don't think there is. I don't think there's right or wrong. I think there are different choices that lead to different outcomes. And certainly there's a profitable way. You know, don't mishear me. I think you need to be profitable. But you can structure it however you want, depending on the season of life that you're in. Like, ironically enough, when my kids were little, I was photographing 30 weddings a year. And it was great. They would go with my parents. They would have a good day. You know, it was fine. It actually got more difficult for me as they got older. And that surprised me. I thought it would get easier, but then they started getting involved in things and I started missing things. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, Oh, I don't know if I can sustain this. And so mm-hmm. when I teach, I teach primarily wedding and portrait photographers. And when somebody says to me, they want to get into weddings, I'm like, that's so great. I love weddings. I live for weddings. What's your exit strategy. 
mm-hmm. because yeah. you can't do it forever because the season's going to change. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Like it changes, which means the balance will never exist. It will mm-hmm. just be, am I operating in harmony with my values and what's important to me? And the yeah. litmus test for that is, are you miserable? If you are miserable, you are most likely sitting in a core value conflict. And, and a lot of times for women, it's family and work. So like, so it's, it's funny you say that because oftentimes people and many listening may think, well, I don't think I'm miserable, but being miserable or overwhelmed or frustration doesn't necessarily always manifest in you so you can, that you can identify it in that way. So I always try to frame it and say, if I catch myself saying, I don't have enough time or oh, I didn't get that done. Or why why, why can't you just get it together? That type of stuff, that type of degrading self-talk, that is where those emotions and there's something that needs to change within that. Um, Yeah, it's interesting. It's so funny that, and I do agree with you with the whole, I feel like women generally, especially moms bear the brunt. And we can get into the whole like she she session, she session, I almost said she shed, but like the whole like, you know, the, the, what happened this last year with pandemic and the workload at home and all of that. And like, we were talking about the very beginning of this is that I feel like there, there's even still, even outside of that, even if you're not a mom, there are societal pressures and pools that have direct impact into your business that we may not even realize that we're dealing with. Like, for example, I could see it definitely with wedding photographers or getting into photography and you're going, well, I'm going to be a wedding photographer always. And it's this idea of if you make an exit strategy or if you change things up, have you failed? Well, oh my goodness, I'm a mom or, you know, I quit my corporate career and now I'm making a pivot. Is everyone going to go, OMG, what is she doing? Right. You know, and and actually, we didn't even, we didn't even have an outline for this today. So we're just going where the conversation goes. But when I work with entrepreneurs and I see them make changes in their business, especially when they're able to stand up, I've worked with photographers who are like, I just hate being a primary wedding shooter but I like doing second shooting and they close their business and go be a professional second shooter. I champion and cheer for them. You know, I'm going to sit and support someone that may feel overwhelmed and frustrated and it's going to grip their teeth and try to figure out business. But at some point we're going to have a come to Jesus talk. If it's because it's not serving you and it's only going to hurt your relationships in your real, real life outside of business. It hurts everything when you are operating outside of integrity. If you're not being real with yourself, oh, ask me how I know that. Well, I was a wedding photographer. My brand was Weddings by Heather, and I lived, lived for weddings until one day I didn't. And I woke up, and I was like, you know what, Rachel? It took me a solid year, year to admit to myself that I didn't love it as much as I used to. took me a full another year to admit it out loud to my husband. Like, I don't think I want to do this forever, and all kinds of guilt. Well, I built a six-figure business. I'm so successful. Who am I to walk away from this? Why would I walk away from this? That's stupid. But you, but you can't go against your heart or what your gut is telling you. And, but most importantly, it, was, it wasn't fair to my clients, right? If I'm yeah. not fully present in anything mm-hmm. I do, but especially weddings, then you have got to get out because it's not fair to them. When I loved it and I was in it, it was great. And I, I still did a good professional job, even as I was like sort of working my way out into an early retirement. But now I will second shoot all day long. In fact, I offer it as a service to the people at the Flourish Academy so they can learn on the job, but not worry about missing shots. They hire Ooh. me to second shoot. 
I I just stay in the background. I let them leave. That's ingenious. I love this. Because I get all the shots. I make sure that they're covered. They are then free to learn in a in an open way where they're not worried, oh, am I missing something, right? And they're learning and I can help them pose and do all of these things. They win, I win, I love it. They pay me, I do the things that I love the most and then I go home and I don't have to edit and I don't have to do any of the client management. And when I figured that, and yes, yes, I took a pay cut. 100% I took a pay cut. And in fact, when I took, I mean, I took a pay cut from shooting weddings I took a pay cut second shooting. And when I started my online business, you know, that takes a little bit of time to ramp up. So it took a few years to get things with the Flourish Academy where Weddings by Heather was. But you know what, Rachel? I said, I did it once. I can do it again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I did. And I, and I you hit something in anything. You hit something here because I, you know, I, at the beginning, when I was talking about my path, having curly cues and all that, I also was envisioning in my mind. And I think we were having this conversation in our last, um, retreat that we were in together of your money earning does not have to be a straight trajectory. Like you, again, back into balance and seasons, like you can decide. And that was something my dad always imparted upon me, especially we live right outside of DC. You make more money in DC, but what do you give up? And I learned this when I worked at the attorney general's office, when I was doing two hours on the road there, two hours on the road back, eight hours there, never seeing our son, husband was deployed at the time, but I, what my dad tries did teach me was it's okay to take the pay cut and then have more of a quality of life. Right. And then you're also free to figure out how you're going to, you know, grow up where you are. So don't think that like your income earning and, and I, and I'm one of these, I get it. I'm putting out there. I talk about the figures of revenue in my business and all of this. And I know that people can achieve that. That's a whole nother conversation for another day, but it doesn't have to be like a straight growth right. at all. And, and honestly, if you're doing this balance thing right, it shouldn't be. Oh, that's a good point. You will have dips and you will have certain leaps and then certain times where it's linear. Mm-hmm. That is a really good point. If, you're, if your children are small or you're in this season with them or like I'm in this generation, I wonder if you are too, where our kids are getting a little bit older and my parents are getting older. So it's caring for like young adult children and my parents actually live with us. So caring for them as well, where it's just a different season. You just have to balance everything that you have to do and without guilt or shame about what you think you should be doing. <laughs> Remember we were talking about the, the word should like, okay, I can do all of these things. I will do all of these different things. And I'm going to let go of should because that's like, uh, embroiled in shame, you know, I should be doing this, but I'm not. No, I'm going to do the best I can in the season. And I've got to tell you, there are some seasons where I, where I'm spot on with my kids and there are some seasons where quite frankly, I can't stand them. So I'm just going to like dive into my business. And by the way, so I know I'm in that season right now where they're like teenagers and they like need a minute. Oh yeah. (laughs) So I'm really focused on my business at this point, which is great, but I know from experience. It's not forever. Everything is just kind of kind of ebb and flow and your ability to adapt to that and not resist mm-hmm. it, I think will dictate your success. Do you agree? 
No, I agree. And I think that's what, you know, and this isn't as like straightforward as Heather and I are making it sound. Like we were saying earlier, you may not necessarily identify that you're frustrated or overwhelmed. It's multi-layer and everything is integrated. So if you're having stress outside of business and see how you may be implementing it in business. I know for me, when I get anxious, I will start doing busy work because I am transferring that energy. Even my team will be like, we're changing the email passwords, get out of our, you know, get out of our playground. Cause I'll start coming in and trying to be like, oh, let me do this, let me do that. And it's stuff that I, as a strategic CEO, know that I don't need to be doing that. It's that the $10 task is, you know, I should be doing $500 tasks, right? But because this is also in our grain, if I do not focus on what is going on around me, I'll, it'll start manifesting itself in action. And I definitely know uh, when I'm anxious and I don't realize it because I'm not in tune with it, I start doing busy work. Yeah, I used to always like edit a session. If I had any sessions in my queue, that was like my go-to busy work because I could do it without mm-hmm. thinking. I didn't have, I could go into Lightroom and just edit all day long and not have to worry. But to actually think about strategy or work on something that requires heavy lifting, oh, mm-hmm. I would avoid that like the plague. And then when you're in, and you feel like you're not getting anything done. I mean, you're checking things off your list, but you're like, I'm not making any movement. But again, I believe those to be seasons because there are some seasons where I am like, I'm thinking of this past March was just a season of crazy busy work. And and I barely survived it. I mean, it was like my schedule was too full. I overbooked myself. That's my own fault. I make my schedule, you know. And I look back at that and I'm like, I got things done, but I'm not really. I didn't make any big progress. And you know where it all came to like a crescendo was at our retreat, which was the very end of March. I I was probably like this close to a mental breakdown. And I needed that retreat so much because I had blocked off the days. We got into it. The exercises were so good. And I was so tired. I was so t- I mean, I was getting plenty of sleep. It was like I was tired. But after those three days, I felt completely renewed. And I was like heading into April, like, no, I'm going to make crap happen. That's when you and I both started talking to Dan at that time, like bigger strategy mm-hmm. pictures. Like I'm going to focus on those things. I did my busy work, but I'm not going to beat myself up over March. Okay. I did for a minute, but I'm like, like that was just a season. And now I'm going to, yeah. it's going to be like heavy lifting. Right. Well, and I love that you bring that up. And what came up while you were talking was that, you know, even like in my time management training, I talk about here's the blocks and this is what I do. And for the, and for a long time, I used to teach, you know, if it's admin day, you only do admin. But I've realized, again, you are the driver of this ship of this car. If I'm just not in it to have a, like I have strategy sessions where I'll turn off all technology and I'll just sit down with my whiteboard and I just write and write and write and just brain dump. But if I'm not feeling very strategic and maybe some of that anxiety is coming up, I'll go and do some busy work tasks. And I think that's okay so long as you don't let it consume. But I guess my point with this is don't force yourself simply because you have a to-do list um, that you have to do it right? If you're not in it and you're not going to be able to show up and you're not going to be able to effectively fulfill it, don't do it. And that's, I think that's all part of these seasons. And it's, it's a season within a day. It could be a season within a couple hours. You know, for me, I thrive on deadlines. I thrive on having these buckets of time and I have to do certain tasks, but I was getting overwhelmed and burnt out. I was starting to say, oh, I got to go write blog posts instead of, yes, I get to go write blog posts. Right. I get to go put content into the world. 
that's when I realized that, you know, there's other things going on and it's okay to shift with your season and your schedule, even if it's a season within a day. Wow. You know, I'd never thought of it that way, but that's a good point. Do you think it's because people like you and I type A's, like we're so, or Gretchen Rubin would call us upholders, like where we set a schedule and I, I listen, I said Monday was an admin day. You're going to sit down and do your administration. <laughs> like I, mm-hmm. I take the integrity thing and the scheduling thing so far, like way too far. That I'm going to say, do you think too far? hundred percent. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Where I like a Monday is a great example of that I always block off Mondays for administrative work, you know, to like lay out the week, right. Get started. And if I'm not like in the mood to do the administrative work, I literally force myself to do it, which what does that produce? Probably crap work. Really. If I'm being honest, right. It's not going to be my best work instead of allowing myself to shift like I'm going to, I'm going to use this now. I'm going to be like, Rachel said, today is a season. So I could, if I'm not feeling that, wow. Okay. Let me ask you this. All right. Wow. This is bringing up a lot <laughs> because what is the line between like, sometimes there are just going to be things you don't want to do. Oh, I'm but, not excited to get into QuickBooks. Right? <laughs> I have to do it. And that's actually in my time management masterclass. If you guys are new to the thing, um, link in bio completely free, no sales pitch in it. But I talk about one of the things is I don't want to be a roadblock um, or a bottleneck to my team. Right. I freaking hate QuickBooks, but I know that in order for someone else to get something done, I have to do it. Am I ever going to get inspired to do QuickBooks? Hell to the no, but I have to go in and categorize. So I think it's one of those, you know, I'm not super woo woo. So this is like, this is one of those mindset shift things that I have to say. And I remember we were having that conversation about tax bills. is I, then I could go in and in my mind, I say, I got to get it done because someone else is relying upon me integrity. Also, they need to be able to do their job. Plus I'm paying them to do their job. Plus I want to save money. So I need to categorize properly. But I do think that we fall into the structure. So take things like that off the table. Maybe it's just simply like content creation. You're just not feeling it for the day. I think at least for me, for a long time, and even now I still fall victim to this, is that in the back of our minds, it's a struggle between integrity or what we think we have to do in order to check the box to become mm-hmm. successful, mm-hmm. right? Yes. If I if I change my season up today within the day and I change up my time, is that going to mean I'm going to not be successful? I mean, really, what is the worst that's going to happen mm. if I don't sit down to do my strategy brain dump Wednesday morning? Right. And do it Thursday. What's right. the worst that's going to happen? Right. My entrepreneur mind, type A mind, is like, ah, fuck it, you're done. No yep. entrepreneurship for you anymore. Loser. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have to pull that back in. I'm glad I see you nodding. So I'm glad I'm not the only one that feels this way. I thought I was alone. Well, let me ask you this because I think that um, health is a perfect metaphor for this. What do you do workout wise? Oh, I love this. Okay. You know you need to work out every day, especially when you have something coming up. You actually know how much time you need to put into it. How do you discern the difference between like, oh, um, I might be injured or I need to rest my body or no, I'm just being lazy and I need to force myself to do it? What's funny is I actually, so my first Ironman season, I was like, I'm going to buy a book. I'm going to figure it out on my own. I'm going to follow this to a T. Once again, got to check the box, got to do it. It's the only way I'm going to finish an Ironman. I ended up so stressed, 
so overwhelmed that ever since then, that was 2016, I have, a, have had a coach ever since then. It's not like it's revolutionary workouts. Sorry if you're on here, coach. They're same old workouts, but it's not even just accountability. I'm pretty able to give right. myself accountability. I'm not able to give myself permission when I'm tired. I'm not able to see the signs. Right. Okay, so take, for example, this bottle. Um, right. It's Starbucks Pretty Mermaid. When I'm inside of it, I can't see the mermaid. When I'm outside of it, I mean, it's the whole forest for the trees thing. Like you can yes, see the beautiful yes. signs from the outside, but it's the same thing. So it's like with business or with fitness, like I have the coach so that she can watch my stats because AOS, I'm not, I'm not a coach. I don't know. I just know how right. I feel. And right. I don't know what, is this good tiredness? Is this normal tiredness? Exactly. Push through. So having somebody else being able to give you that objective view business. And what's funny is being in the program that we are in together, I had hired a business coach one time before it was an epic fail. But I always think you can learn something from it. So it was an epic yeah, fail in that I didn't get the results that I expected, but I still learned from it. Um, and it was a lot for this. Again, not the smartest person in the room, but it's having an objective view to be able to look at what I'm doing. I need help discerning this. Either, um, like, how can one coach oneself? So if I sit down at my desk and it's Monday and I have all of this administrative work to do and I don't feel like it, I just cannot discern or decipher, like, okay, I don't want to do it. Is it because I'm lazy and I need to force myself to do it? Or do I really need to creatively shift my brain? I mean, I think for me, I mean, I run through the, do my fingers need to be doing this? So I catch myself not falling into busy work, that whole like transference of anxiety. And then it's, am I really going to be able to give it, I hate to use the term best effort because I speak a lot about, you know, minimum viable product, imperfect, yeah. imperfect action. But I think that there's some tasks when you sit down to do it, you have to know if you're going to be able to serve well in it. Oh, so if point. I'm sitting right. down to create something for a client, if I'm not in the mood, and you said this earlier with um, with your wedding photography clients, you got to a point that you knew you weren't serving them the best. If I'm not going to be able to serve my purpose the best or mm. serve whoever's in receipt of the action that I'm doing, then it's not just lazy. Well, I was going to say, it's not just laziness. I don't know. It's more of like a intuitive feeling, but it's not that. It's not that simple, you know. The no, it's not. It's not but I like that question. I like the question you just said, which is, "Am I giving this? Am I able to serve this right now? Am I? Is mm -hmm. that how you said it? Am I able to serve this like to the to like how the task needs it? Not my best, but like, am I able to serve this? I, I mean, this morning I woke up and I work out every day of the week, and I feel really sore. And I said to my husband, "I just." I don't want to take a rest day because that to me is like lazy. I'm just going to do a stretching routine, like an active recovery mm -hmm. because I listen to my body. But Rachel, nine times out of 10, if I wake up and feel that way, I do the workout anyway. Cause I'm like, I'm going to be tough. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to push through it. I'm not going to let myself, I never, almost never let myself off the hook. You know, like I, I, like I, too rigid, too rigid. I need to well, like, relax. Think, think of it this way. I mean, if it's so painful that you're not going to be able to, um, okay. So for example, actually when we get off of here, I've got a bike and run to do, 
And I didn't do it this morning because I woke up with a headache, not feeling mm. well, allergies and all of that. I told myself, I said, I could either season change, you know, I can either wait till this afternoon or try to find another day to do it because I'm not going to be able to effectively fill that hour by mm. six mile run. And so what would end up happening. And so think about this, I guess, like pain wise or of if, if I'm in so much pain that it's taking me so much to put myself up to go, there's probably something going on, you know, as mm. long as you recognize you're not making excuses, right. but I just know that if I'm not in it, I would end up, okay, I would do the bike. I can watch Netflix, no big deal. But once I get outside in the heat, I would probably, I already knew that I was finding excuses to not go and do it. I don't know if I'm making sense, but I guess it's hard for me to articulate. It's like if if I, it is a balance between committing and fulfilling it. And, and then, you know, the whole making excuses or what's right for you. I don't know. I don't know the answer. I'm not going to sit here. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that was actually really helpful. I almost want to write it down. I wish I had a pen because you said, this is the key for me. Am I, am I effectively doing this task or am I making excuses as to why I don't want to do the task? And if you can just ask yourself that question and honestly answer it, no, I just feel lazy and I don't feel like doing it. Okay, sit down and do it, right? Or no, mm -hmm. I have a headache or I'm not feeling it. So I, I cannot be effective. Okay, then I'm going to reschedule it and put it on and trust myself that I have the integrity that I'm going to follow through with it. Like you trust yourself to say, I don't feel good this morning. I'm going to ride the bike later. I do not trust myself in that scenario. If I don't I didn't do the before. workout, I yeah, didn't I before. do it. Yeah. But, and I think that's also where I think accountability aspect comes in. I also know that when that exercise is over, all my data, I don't have my watch, gets uploaded to the interwebs and my coach is going to see it. And then is it putting me out of integrity? Am I in a position then that I have to start making excuses oh, for why right. my performance was the way it was, why I didn't hit the marks? Um so it's like a whole, it's a whole, I think the bottom line for me is when it comes to this, have a sounding board, someone that you could in these situations, maybe for business tasks, who knows you well, like my team knows me pretty well. And they will be like, you're just off. Well, here's a good example. I was recording videos. Um, I think I shared about this in our, in our mastermind group, but I was recording videos, but I was so, tr I was just not in it to win it. There was not a lot of energy. And I was like, I just got to do it. I just got to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My operations manager, she was watching them and she goes, I got to be honest. I had to force myself to keep watching. <gasps> you weren't in it. And so what did I do? I ended up wasting three hours of mm. recording videos that none are going to hit the light of day now. Oh no. Right. You should Because I had schedule. to do it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've done that. I have done that with podcasts. I record it and I'll be like, well, that sucked. <laughs> yeah, and that's because I forced myself to do it because I said I was going to record it Tuesday morning, so I'm going to do it. I need I need to learn to relax a little bit, type A back up, and and be a little bit more flexible. And mm -hmm. I, okay, so question: It sounds to me like you will never be without a coach, business, like fitness, fitness. No, I don't trust myself enough. Um, business, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I think there's always something you can learn. And I would rather have someone over the long term that knows me and sees the growth. Because I think that's one of the problems that we're seeing is that people jump from program to program. Yes. They download this PDF, that PDF, and there's no continuity in the yes. feedback. And so it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with REAL, the research evaluation um, 
act and learn of that you're not really fully committing to all of that in these educational type programs or with coaches. You're jumping around looking for a quick fix and you're literally always going to be starting over every single time that you jump to a new coach. And it, and by the way, if they're not serving you, you need to get a new one. But I'm talking about giving in to right. this whole like panic pivoting almost like, yes. oh, well, you know, I only 10x last year. I wanted 25. So that coach must not work. Let me go over here. You learn something completely new. You're actually starting back at the beginning at that point. So to answer your question, I don't know what I'm going to do business coach wise for myself. I, I love that, that continuity thing, because I see a lot of people jump from course to course, from coach to coach. And I think it's for a couple of reasons. I think they always feel like they are just one strategy away from a breakdown. Yeah. Like they're just missing one thing. And they and maybe they didn't get it. They think they didn't get it from this coach. So they're going to go to this coach. But you're right. They're, they're resetting their progress. They're starting back at the beginning. And then they come to realize that oh, wait, this coach is teaching something very similar, maybe, or I already knew that. And mm -hmm. so, you know what I think the key is here? I think the key is people don't trust themselves. Yeah. I think that they seek course after coach after course after coach because they are not trusting that they have what they need to move forward. And the group that we're in, I just, at this point, I mean, things change, but at this point, I don't ever see myself leaving mm -hmm. for the continuity reason. Because I've learned so much and I'm growing and people are seeing that growth and they can help me. And then if they know me, then they can call me out on that behavior. Like, why are you not doing that? Or that doesn't seem like you. Like, I think there is more value in building that long-term relationship than trying to get all of the strategies from all of the coaches all over the planet. Like, yeah. stick. And I think in, in terms of finding a coach, you need to just find someone you connect with. Like, do you connect with this person? And I don't, I don't even really care about, the, okay, the content is important, but, <laughs> but beyond the content, do you like yeah. this person? Do you want to, do you respect them? Do you look up to them? Do you want to form a long-term relationship with them? And again, mm -hmm. something to your point where you said, if it's not working and it's not serving you for sure, you know, mm -hmm. don't waste your money. But, but you have to be coachable. You yes. have to be coachable. And you know, what's funny is I went into second year of the program that we're in together. I went in. It's so funny. Oh my God. I feel like we're in church and I'm sweating. So I feel like you were just preaching to me. Um, when I went into it, it, I was, I was like saying, yeah, I know I'm not the smartest person in the room, but then the other side of me is like, you know, all of this already. Well, that's so why I was I not coachable. I <laughs> I, but I wasn't, I, I wasn't coachable. It. You were coachable. You're super coachable. But the very first I wasn't. Oh no. No, when I first came in, I was not coachable at all. But you know what? Ugh. I was panicked. How do I articulate this? And this came up also when you were talking about people jumping from like coach to coach, PDF, PDF, course to course, and all this sort of stuff. They feel like they're doing something. And I'm they, I'm raising my yes. hand. Yes. I felt like when I first came into the program, even though I wasn't coachable, I made that micro commitment. So it's something in me, even though it didn't actually move the needle. And I feel it's almost like a dopamine hit. Like when people start yep. liking yourself, when people are coming on this and giving us hearts, right? We get all excited. It's cool. But is it actually moving the needle at all? And for me coming into the program, it took me, well, I had other personal stuff going on, but it took me like six, seven months to really realize and almost a year to realize I can't just sign up for a program. I know this sounds so dumb and I can't even believe I'm admitting this how many years into business, but it, I just share it to say, 
I am what, 16 years in and I'm still susceptible to this panic buy, panic pivot in a way to, in it, in it, in it gives that little hit, but it doesn't actually give you the high. Wow. I did not realize that because I, I was in the group very shortly, maybe six months before you jumped in because I've been, I've been in two and a half years. So just a little bit, I saw you post me. And first of all, I was like, Whoa, she's like the big time in here. I'm going to be friends with her. Okay. I don't know how, but this is going to happen. And I Tell saw me. you post something and I thought, I actually, I missed, I must've misread it. Cause I thought you were really coachable. Cause I thought you posted a question that I was like, wow, okay, she's here to learn. Like she's mm -hmm. showing up like, I have all of these businesses that are really successful, but no, you're saying your mind was like not in it yet. Mm -hmm. It was like, I think that, I think that is what happens here. It's like this facade of I'm here to learn, I'm here to show up, but, but what is really behind the curtain, mm, right? But not and, really. I, and, and think about how much time I wasted, like seven to nine months of all the, like we were talking about the little moments in learning, how many coaching calls did we mm. have that I wasted because I was so stuck in my own brain of, nah, I know what I'm doing. I'm good. Just not coachable. And it's simply because I had fallen victim to just like many others of, if I take this course, if I sign up, shit's going to change and it's going to be amazing. And Magically. My, yeah. Yeah. Immediately. Right. And, right. And, and I think that's, what's funny is that and one of the things like with my group coaching program is that. I tell them it's literally about simplicity, consistency, and doing the work. Like there's no hacks here. Like it's just really about, and we were talking about continuity of like having someone to coach you. Some of that is also having continuity of your repeated intentional actions. Mm, right, right. You have to take action. You can't just say, I've paid, I'm here. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, are you open to coaching and are you willing to take action? I think those are the two key things because if you're not open to coaching, you've automatically shut down. And then are you willing to take the action? You know, um, he was sharing this story yesterday about how he had somebody um, pay him for coaching and then ask for all the money back. And she was like, no, it was great. Everything is great. It's just now I, I have to, nobody did it. Like I have to go do it. <laughs> Yeah. Like, no kidding. I, right? Like, I can't do that for you. You have to put the strategies in place. And I think people are looking for external motivation. And that's why they jump from coach to coach. It's like, maybe this coach is going to say something that's going to motivate me that the other coach didn't say. And then I'll feel like doing it. And see, I actually don't understand that. Because for me, I'm like, I don't really care what I feel like doing. I'm just going to do it anyway, even when I don't want to do it, which again, enter the type A. The rigidity, you know, I'm just going to get it done and I'm going to plow forward. I'm learning, Rachel. I'm trying to be more <laughs> open. I'll send you the replay of this so you right? can see. But, but I think the biggest takeaway here for those watching and listening is that, you know, if you didn't hear our stories, when I do the replay, you guys can hear it from the beginning. Heather and I have been doing this for a while. We help business owners and we are still falling victim to the very things that are holding many people back. So once again, it's not like a straight trajectory. And I feel like we see these little graphics on Insta, Pinterest, you scroll by, you're like, yeah, I know that. But do you really know that? And are you able to recognize and embrace it when it happens and not allow it to completely derail you? I mean, like we were talking about, if you have a coach that's simply not serving you, find a new one, but don't, but make sure you fully commit. And that's one of the things like for me, the second year in the program that we're doing is that I'm like, I'm going to, I am committed to do what I need to do. Well, 
asterisk. There's a little asterisk there. Like I'm trying to be as committed to do, you know, everything because again, not the smartest person in the room. And I know that consistent action will pay off in some form or fashion. It may not be an immediate get 500 students on the June enrollment, but it doesn't mean that it's not going to set up for someone later on down the line. For example, one of my students for Accelerator that came in in January, she, um, she's a photographer and she had taken courses of mine in, in the law talk and a completely other brand years ago. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you just never know whether a foundation that consistently showing up, how the dots are going to connect. And I feel like many times and myself included, we're so like attached to the results of what's going to happen. And this is something that came up for me, um, with the retreat that we just had yesterday of, um, I'm been so results attached to what, what is the revenue amount going to be? What's the n- number of enrollment? And I realized that it was a fear of rejection. And I was like, that's kind of dumb. It's like an illusory rejection because simply because someone doesn't enroll or book you right. or buy into you or like your social media doesn't mean they're rejecting you. They may just simply not be into what you're serving. They may, it's not, I guess I don't know what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is, we fall victim into these reasons why we do or don't do things. And we have to see what is true and what's illusory. And recognize what your, what your issue is around it. So you picked up on the fact that rejection was an issue for you. So now that you know it, I really think it is less about efforting and more about acknowledgement because now you recognize it, you can push through it anyway and say, Oh, I'm feeling this. Oh yeah. Cause I don't like to be rejected. And it's like this internal conversation is like Rachel against herself. And then you're like, okay, so what? So what? Somebody doesn't buy it. You know, I say this to photographers all the time. What they say is like, oh, they didn't hire me because of the price. And I'm like, hmm. how do you know? Yeah. Because of the price. Like price is always the scapegoat. Price is always. always the scapegoat. And I'll tell you what, I think in any industry, price is almost, almost always one of the last factors to why people don't buy unless they simply don't have the money. Because if they've seen the value, you've shown up, the message has landed right, the money will be found whether it's now or it's in a couple of years or whenever their season comes around. A hundred percent. So I say to them, I'm like, okay, really, did they say to you they they couldn't afford you as a price? And in some cases, they might say you're out of their budget. But usually they're like, no, but I know it's because of the price. And I'm like, oh, you know, because you're psychic. Oh, profit. (laughs) Okay, tell me more about that. But could there be another reason that they didn't hire you? And they think for a second and they're like, well, yeah, so maybe they got busy. Maybe they decided not to hire a photographer. And then I lean in and I say, maybe they just don't like you. I don't know. Maybe they don't like your photos. I don't know. Maybe it's the price. Maybe it's not the price. The point is you don't know and it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. Why would you waste your effort and your attention on the person who maybe possibly didn't hire you because of some reason that you don't know? I'm going to focus on the people that hire me because you know what? It's not fair to the people who are paying me. It is not fair for me to even put one second of attention on the creeper on YouTube who leaves a comment because that guy will never pay me. Oh, the YouTube comments, Rachel. Oh my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> um, they, I have fun with them now, but for a while that held me back too, is like yeah. worrying what, yeah. you know, like your, your mom thing, you know, like th- that would hold me back. But now I'm like, okay, well that guy does it. It still bothers me. I don't like it, but that guy's not paying me. I need to focus on the people that are paying me and the money will be found if they, if, if, if I'm conveying the value. And if I'm not, maybe I need to work on my marketing. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny, what came up for me is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. You know, I've, 
we're how far into this and we still fall victim to like imposter syndrome, not good enough. And just yesterday I was like, God, why can I just not get Instagram to grow? Like why, what is wrong with me? Am I, do I suck at business? And then I realized I actually envy those with smaller accounts because they're able to serve smaller oh, follower numbers better right. because you don't just want to amass a bunch of numbers. And we've seen this with influencers buying bots and yep. fake accounts yep. and all of that. But the reality, well, reality is majority of my people don't even come from Instagram. You know, if you're, we're going to exactly. work one-on-one, it's by email or website. Right. But it, I was thinking that yesterday of like, we get into our mind so built up that we have to have this amount of follower account. Are you actually going to be able to serve 300 million followers? No. I mean, maybe, maybe with your content, but like, look at what the product or service that you're offering. Like, are you really going to be effectively be able to serve them in any season of life for that amount of people? No. Right. Are you photographing a thousand people a year? Really? Wow. Okay. And you know what else that... Yeah, there's something true about these um, businesses who have like seven figure revenue who have like a thousand followers. Like they, they do not care about those vanity metrics because they are serving the heck out of the people they have. And they're also very clear on where their people are. So like yeah. you said, it's not, Instagram is fine. It's fun and people can follow you right. and that's a great way to connect. Right. But that's not where you're, oh, tell me, I'm actually curious about this. In your accelerator program, who do you serve in that program? This is more than just photographers, right? Yeah. So is any really like female entrepreneurs? I mean, we'll take guys too. We have some married couples in there, uh, but primarily female entrepreneurs. That's who is tra- attracted to me. And I really am trying to do the online based business. So whether you're like professional license, attorney, mm, okay. yeah, and that, or creative, I even have some fitness coaches in there as well. It's really for anyone who wants to simplify their business to scale up and really have a big digital impact because the whole goal is for you be able, again, business is a supporting actor to your life and reducing all these should haves, right? Lawyers have to have to sit in an office, that type of stuff. I'm trying to flip the script with that. Oh my gosh, you absolutely have. You're an inspiration for so many, but especially people in the legal field. Are they, do they love you or do they hate you? The other... You know, well, you know what's funny? The legal field's catching up thanks to pandemic. I mean, it kind of forced with a lot of offices right. being closed. So, yeah, there's definitely a need. And there's quite a few other people like myself who are also teaching the same thing. But that's fun. But I really love to work with creatives most. Attorneys, you're fun. I mean, you're fun. Right, right. But creatives right. just bring, they just bring this passion to the table. And, you know, you were talking earlier on, they may not necessarily have the business mindset to start. But the way that they can... Um, view business I learn from them like they, oh, right. they take their creative spin on business right. and I'm just like fuck yeah like that's a wonderful way mm-hmm. to adapt to make it your own which is a whole other thing like the thing we've been talking about previously you know I I sell a structure I give you guys the methods of how I do everything but at the end of the day you still have to make it your own like back to the video thing I was so trying to stick with a script that I had no energy and I was forcing myself to do it and it wasn't my own and it was wasted time. It's sitting in the drive. Like it's, it's never going to see the light of day now. So for what? Oh, I have found that to be true. When I do videos, I have done videos just like off the cuff, just kind of ripping the content. And I have done very scripted, like with a teleprompter. And I find my material is better without the teleprompter. If you just give like, I need an outline, of course, but if I have an outline and I know what I want to talk about, I'm so much better. Just having a conversation and I have learned thanks to the pandemic 
that I'm really good at teaching off the cuff in a group because of the conversation. So some of the new courses I'm developing, I am developing on Zoom with my people and Love then it. pulling it out as a course. Rachel, I would have never done that a year and a half ago. Never. I'd have been like, no, it needs to be in the studio. It needs to be scripted. It needs to be all of these things. So I'm grateful for that, for that happening because I actually believe it's way more effective. Well, and you hit on something there and that it actually was a theme from the very beginning an hour ago when we first started chatting um, about connecting with people and being with people. And I think that is something that's extremely missing in this social media age right now. Where you're yelling into a void and you're just hoping that someone's going to hear. Get very, very specific on who it is that you're actually talking to. When I go to write my post, I was going to pick up my phone. <laughs> I'm using my phone. When I go to write my post, I have a visual picture of what that person looks like. Does it matter if she has blonde hair? Is that really going to make a difference if she's going to buy from me? No, but it allows me. It's an exercise that I use so that I can say, all right, Ava, here's the deal. This is what I've got. This is what I want to say today. And it just makes like the content creation, putting self out there, the connection so much easier. Is it always perfect? No. That's when that little gremlin comes in my mind of it's got to be perfect. It's got to be polished. But if I just think about does Ava want me to be absolutely perfectly polished? No. That's one of the things that she loves about me is that I'm not perfectly right. polished. And so if you just key in on those little things and like it's going back to like the whole how many followers you have. Do you necessarily want to learn from someone that has 1,500 students in a program, 15,000 students? Are they really going to be able to effectively serve you? And these are just things you got to find what is important to you in making those decisions. Yeah, that's really key. And I like how you're saying you picture the person you're talking to, like you're having a conversation because you're trying to help that specific person. And it's not that I'm just like speaking to the masses, but I'm trying to help. I, I target women as well. So I'm like, I'm trying to help these women see a different perspective. I'm trying to give them a reframe, a different view that you really can have the life of your dreams, like have it all, meaning you can structure your life so that you love what you're doing and you make money doing it. Because I honestly believe you could sell anything on the internet. I mean, just yeah. look around. You'll find examples of like the craziest stuff. So I think you can do anything. You just have to dream it, believe it, and then and then do it. And, and believe that it's for you, like that it's something that you can do that's obtainable for you. I don't know, that's super inspiring to me just to see people like you like killing it in these different areas that are like so specific that like nobody goes to college and says, you know what? I want to get a law degree as a photographer and I, and I'm going to sell contracts and then I'm going to branch out and teach create like this, like just not how it goes. You evolved over time. I assume because you yep. followed your passion, your skill set, your passion and where you could make the most impact. Yep. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is this, this has been something I've been thinking of doing a podcast episode on is, you know, do you can say you can sell anything online. I honestly don't believe it's that difficult to re generate six figure revenue online. Not this day and age at all. Nope. There are so many tools. There are so many platforms. And so I say that with encouragement. If you're listening, you're probably going, well, that's easy to say. Well, yeah. in a way, I did it. I've done it. Like, I'm still doing it. So I, I want to say that with encouragement that once you drill down into a lot of what we talked about here on, um, you know, 
with your season of life, making sure, you know, whatever action you're going to do, whatever you're going to sell, whatever your content output is on social, make sure it fits with your season of life. And then really consistently commit to showing up to do it. You will fly past that six figure revenue mark. And, and, and with the asterisk of it needs to be profitable. I don't want you, you know, making a hundred thousand, but you know, you're profiting your expenses yeah your expenses were ninety nine thousand dollars yeah yeah real quick story on that i i was clued into this excuse me clued into this a couple years ago my daughter ella was really into the happy planner she had this happy planner and she was buying stickers on etsy and i was like there's all these sticker people on etsy like they're like famous okay and i was like tell me more about these people who sell stickers on etsy so she showed me a shop and she said, there are ones where you download the files, you print, and then there are ones who send you stickers. So she was showing me a uh, physical product and I looked at it and she was showing me the sticker packs and I did some quick math, Rachel. I looked at the average price of the sticker set and on Etsy, you can see how, how many approximate transactions that person has had. And I just averaged it all out. And I determined that there's this woman in Utah with little kids making stickers and selling and making over six figures selling sales over six figures on Etsy for the happy planner, like very specific. They were very specific for the happy planner. And I thought to myself, God bless America. Okay. Anywhere really, you can do it anywhere in the world. But the point was like, you can't tell me you can't find something that you love to do that you could then just get help with the business aspect. You do jump in the accelerator and, and then, and then sell sell your heart out, sell your stickers, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Like nothing is too small or too make anything work if you believe. Well, and I think the hard part is we're we're I, when we get off of here, I'm gonna end up posting on Instagram and I'm gonna scroll for a little bit probably while I eat lunch, and I'm going to see 1,500 messages of do this, do that. And we've already gone through how people like jump, jump, but you really just have to find what you're drawn to, what fits with you, and then consistently give it some time. That, yeah. That and don't panic pivot. <laughs> Don't panic pivot. That's the message here. Don't panic pivot. Give it some time because the compound effect is a real thing. And yeah. I had someone who has been following me for eight years, eight years, has never spent a penny with me. Just buy one of the preset packs for $25. Eight years I put in with this person and she finally just spent $25. I and mean, you put in what? You put in time that you were right. also serving to other people that have right. bought previously. So it wasn't like you were serving at paying right. ads or one-to-one. Yeah. Right. Right. But you just have to be willing to do I ran a campaign last week for a free, or sorry, a $1 trial, and I made $7. And listen, I don't want to brag about that. But $7, you know, to some people would be like, that wasn't even worth your time sending out the email. But I believe it was because I believe in the compound effect. And I believe in planting as many seeds as possible. And I will just continue to sow them. I am long suffering in that regard. It's been 17 years. I have no problem putting in my time because it all comes to fruition at some point. There's a time to sow and there's a time to reap and I've watched it. So, and I know I can, I can do it. So I just, I am, I'm like at peace with that. You know, like if I, if you have a bad quarter or bad week and things, sales aren't where they need to be, I'm just like, well, you know, next week will be better. Next quarter will be better because it's all seasonal. Well, and it's making sure that you're not going to, you're keeping on top of those KPIs and you're making the adjustments that are needed. Like don't set it and forget it type of thing. And then hope you yeah. open your bank account and have six figures in 12 months. Like you still right. need to do the work and do the adjustment. Well, my goodness. Okay. So we went okay. through so many topics. 
today. And I yes. so appreciate your time. Can Thank you let you. everyone know where to find you, especially photographers over at the Flourish Academy? Yeah, I mean, you can obviously hear on Instagram at Flourish Academy. The website is flourish.academy. And I like to say, I don't need no dot com. You know, like I'm above that. I'm better than that. Okay, <laughs> but the truth is it just wasn't available. That's okay. So it's flourish.academy. And you can find us on Facebook, of course. We have a free private Facebook group for photographers. We are incredibly supportive and encouraging. I allow zero negativity, zero, you know, condescending speak. Like you won't ever see it in that group. It's not that it doesn't happen. It's just I remove it immediately and it's mm -hmm. out. I just don't tolerate it because when I was starting, there were some photographers who were really mean to me. And I was like, no, I don't. Uh, YouTube channel Flourish Academy. I have, oh gosh, probably over a thousand tutorials on there and live videos and also the podcast. The podcast is focused on like the mindset stuff. It's really holding you back. So I don't speak specifically to photography or photographers in the podcast. I have a lot of friends that follow it and they just like, you know, the general uh, personal growth and there's some woo thrown in by um, yeah all of those channels thank you love it love it well thank you so much for your time y'all let us know anything else if you have any questions just reach out we are here and i will see you guys next time